0: Log Talk Radio. are live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. Glad you are able to join in today, either live or listening to the archives in the listening library on the Lives in the Balance website. Might be a little background noise for today's program. We had most of the Portland, Maine Fire Department dealing with something in the building across the street here in the Old Port area, and so it's a little noisy out there, um, Thankfully, we haven't seen any smoke or flames, but the whole thing looked pretty serious. Um, But that's not what we're going to be doing our program on today. We don't know anything. Well, wait a minute. We do know something about putting fires out on this program. Of course, we know that the best way to put out the fire is to keep it from springing up in the first place. Just because you don't see any smoke doesn't mean that there aren't unsolved problems lurking just around the bend that you could be busy solving proactively with your behaviorally challenging child before there's any smoke and before there's any fire. And, of course, uh, what we do on this program is we help you do that by helping you see your child through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems, helping you identify those lagging skills and unsolved problems. Those of you who've done this know that those unsolved problems can be a little bit tricky to word correctly. And then we help you solve those problems collaboratively. The call-in number, three four seven nine nine four two nine eight one today is a great day to call in my plan is to be answering some email today they have piled up and of course we missed last week i was away from the office uh doing some family time which um well that has me very primed to do today's program so we don't have any callers to start off here so i'm going to start off with some well actually i'm going to start off by Um, letting all the folks in Boston, Massachusetts, and its surrounding suburbs, which, well, just had a horrible time of it last week, know that uh, we're thinking of them. Lives in the Balance used to be based in Boston. And, um, boy, I know all those neighborhoods. I know the finish line of the marathon. I know exactly where in Watertown the shootout, occurred and where the second suspect was found hiding in a boat. Um, Boy, it was craziness. Um, How people can get an idea in their head that that's the best way to solve a problem continues to fascinate, fascinate me as a student of human beings and why we think what we think and how we get there. Of course, fascinating would not be the word used by those who were directly affected by the tragedy. So there's, I'm understanding that there's going to be a moment of silence at around 2.50 Eastern time today for those who perished in the marathon bombing and the violence that ensued afterwards. Um, Let's turn our attention to some email. Uh, Here's one. Dr. Green, the teacher sends home a note this week that my first grade daughter was passing notes during class. Then when asked to stop, continued to do it. Then another note for making faces during class, and my daughter should have been writing. My daughter has a 504 plan for her ADHD, and this has been an ongoing problem. But what does the teacher want me to do about it? I can't come in and babysit for her. This is an advanced teacher. Shouldn't she be able to redirect her somehow? Well, um, I'll answer the last question first. Uh, There's lots of teachers who've been teaching for a really long time who don't know how to solve problems collaboratively. And um, apparently the 504 plan for her ADHD, um, I don't know if it specifies how problems should be solved with your daughter proactively and collaboratively. And Uh, No, um, you can't go in and babysit for your daughter. I guess my question is, is there another role that you might be able to play to move things along here a little bit better? Um, I'm going to assume, and this may be an incorrect assumption, I'm going to assume that because you are sending me this message that you uh, do know something about solving problems collaboratively and that you might be able to help the school get turned on to the very same ideas. You could send them a Lives in the Balance care package. You could give them a copy of my book, Lost at School. You could turn them onto the website, the Lives in the Balance website, which is a treasure trove of free resources on the model. You could talk to somebody in the building who you think is going to be receptive to using the model and inquire about how to help get the building moving in this direction. So I I can think of other roles that you could play besides babysitting. Um, And the 504 plan apparently isn't uh, specific enough to let people know what they should be doing about the passing notes during class unsolved problem, Um, actually passing notes during class is your daughter's behavior. We'd want to know what the unsolved problem was. What expectation is your daughter not meeting when she's passing notes during class? And it sounds like there's some writing your daughter was supposed to be doing that she wasn't doing. That would be an unmet expectation. That would make for a great unsolved problem. Well there's my answer. And uh do feel free to email back when um well and let us know what happens. All right, let's check to see if anybody's called in. Not yet. That number again, uh what is that number again? Three four seven nine nine four two nine eight one. Here's another. There's the file. All right, here's another. Dr. Green, my son is adopted and exhibits a lot of oppositional and defiant tendencies with lots of resistance to requests. Has a lot of problems with transitioning from one activity to another when in pre-K class and throws a fit when asked to end one activity and move to another despite ample warnings how are we to discern which part of his responses are trauma-based versus fear and anxiety-based? He's five and a half and was in the foster care system, and we got him at two years. He exhibits most of his challenging behavior at school, church, swim, and when we are out of the home. However, at home he is usually cooperative, even though we give him options for solutions. He is seeing a play therapist However, we're not sure what solutions to his new kindergarten class we should be pursuing in the fall of 2013. Please assist us for next steps. Happy to. Uh, Well, now this is interesting. Um, The fact that he's exhibiting a lot of oppositional and defiant tendencies is probably why you found me. The lots of resistance to requests, as you know, if you've listened to this program, that wouldn't be specific enough, but then you got more specific. He has a lot of problems with transitioning from one activity to another. That's not specific enough yet, though it is more specific than saying that he has a lot of resistance to requests. Throwing a fit is what he does moving from one activity to another despite ample warnings is not specific enough yet, we'd want to know which specific activity to which specific activity. And if he's having difficulty moving from more than one activity to more than one activity, each of them would be a separate unsolved problem. Now, the most Not that this isn't interesting all the way through, but here's a very interesting part of your questions. Um, How are we to discern which part of his responses are trauma-based and which are fear-slash-anxiety-based? Well, I don't mean to sound flip here, but I don't think I'd put a whole lot of energy into figuring that out. I don't know if you can figure it out. Plus, I'm not at all certain that his having difficulty making transitions from one activity to another is trauma-based or fear and anxiety-based. I think he's having difficulty making transitions from one activity to another. I think that's a lagging skill. Plus, there's presumably transitions he's being asked to make when he's at home. So we just want to be, I wonder why he's handling those transitions better. But mostly I'm wondering which transitions he's having difficulty making in very specific terms. I'm a little worried that if you're trying to figure out whether his responses are trauma-based and whether they are, fear and anxiety-based, then, and I've seen this happen frequently, and not just with, with those possible explanations for your child's challenging behavior, but many of the others that people often bring into the mix when they're trying to figure out why is this kid behaviorally challenging, he's not behaviorally challenging all the time, just sometimes. When? When is he having difficulty making transitions? and does coming to great clarity about whether his difficulty making transitions is trauma based or fear and anxiety based mm and this is a this is a rhetorical question does it i don't know if it's a rhetorical question it's a question to ponder does that hear the sound in the background we got action here on Exchange Street in Portland, Maine. I think the action looks like it's dying down, although I can't quite tell. The road is still blocked off. My question is isn't it enough to know that your adopted son is having difficulty making transitions? Isn't it enough to know what those specific transitions he's having difficulty making are? Isn't that the information we need to try to start solving those specific problems collaboratively and proactively? You're hovering over some other specific unsolved problems, by the way. Something's happening at school. We'd need to be specific about what the unsolved problems are at school, church. We'd need to be specific about those as well. SWIM So you're hovering over specific unsolved problems. You're not quite there yet. I just don't want you to get distracted. I think it's good to know that a child has a trauma history. Good to know that he has fears and anxiety. Not good to get distracted from the level of specificity we need to actually start working on unsolved problems with him. What should you be doing to help get him ready for kindergarten next fall? Hmm. Geez, uh, I'll tell you what i do between now and then. I'd do a lot of solving problems collaboratively, but you're going to have to identify very specific unsolved problems first to be able to do that. Then I... Let's see how much progress you can make for the rest of the spring and over the summer. Then we'll see what your son needs to get ready for school in the fall. If this uh, problem-solving stuff goes well, and you'll have five months to practice it between now and uh, fall, well, then we'd want to get the folks at school doing it in the fall as well. Beyond that, I don't know that I can give you anything real specific. I don't have enough information about your son to be more specific than that, but I hope that helped. We got a caller. Area code 620. You're on the air. How are you today?
1: Fine, thank you. And yourself?
0: I am doing well. The road is now unblocked here in Portland, Maine. The fire trucks are pulling away, and all's well. No, wait a minute. The road is not unblocked. Uh They just unblocked it so they could get a fire truck to leave, but the road is still blocked. Of minimal interest, I'm sure, to the people listening to the program, but it does add a little bit of excitement to the usual proceedings here. What's on your mind today?
1: I am following up on a call from a couple of weeks ago, I had an aha moment during a Plan B uh, conversation with my son. um, Tell us about it. He is um, beyond competitive um, to the point where when he's even playing by himself with an arcade game, once he figures out that uh, it's not mathematically possible for him to win, it will set off um, a big explosion, which – if you're in his general vicinity, could include some physical contact. So this became a priority uh, for my husband and I to start trying to figure out, uh, through using the unsolved problem of him not being able to handle loss very well during a game. And I had asked him what was up by saying, um, when, when you know you're not going to win at the game road trip?" You get very upset, what's up and he one of his uh, answers was that he expects to win, mm. and I had had an aha moment and told you about it a few weeks ago and right. you um helped guide me into the direction of getting more information from him instead of me connecting the dots for myself, good. And so I did. I went and asked him, what does it feel like inside of you when you realize that you're not going to win? And he was very articulate with what it feels like. Tell us. He said that the feeling begins in his chest and moves down through his body and makes him feel very heavy, like he weighs 2,000 pounds. And he's very uncomfortable when that happens, um, Said it makes it hard for him to breathe. And the pulling on his chest, he feels very heavy and just lashes out because his body is uncomfortable. So I found that interesting as he was describing it. Um, And then he took the description in a little bit of a dis- of a surprising direction, which I wanted to share with you and get your insight. to. So, then he offered, he said, Mommy, this is what it feels like when I'm getting ready to take an AR test, one of the accelerated reader computerized tests, um, which he's been struggling with um, when he takes these AR tests in school. Uh, along with the rest of the class, the whole class goes to the computer lab, and they sit next to each other. And he gets the same kind of heavy chest anxiety feeling like he gets when he's going to lose a game right before he takes the test. And we have had many, many circumstances at school where he's gone to take one of these tests, um, and he's not done well, and he's thrown the same kind of fits explosive, maladaptive um, outburst. And so, yes, I'm very curious about this connection of, of him feeling this. So any thoughts on that? Because
0: it's the same feeling.
1: Yeah.
0: It's very interesting.
1: Yeah. When I told his it tells teacher, us, well.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm sorry. When I told his teacher, she said, "You know, that makes sense because he is, I guess, in his mind, in a competitive situation where he's he's already feeling like he's not going to do as well as the kids around him. And he looks over to the next kid's station, and they're already done with the test, and he's not. And so, in his mind's eye, taking one of these computerized standardized test over the same book as his colleagues he he sees it like a game
0: well uh, here's the interesting thing i'm glad the teacher filled in some blanks for us on what she observes going on um when he's taking a test and it's nice that shes has some hypotheses about what's going on <laughs> in his head when mm-hmm. that's happening, but you know what I'm about to say,
1: yes, sir, at I the moment the same thing.
0: At the, yeah, at the moment, what your son is thinking in the midst of both scenarios, and these I would treat these as two separate unsolved problems by the way there's we we adults, I don't know if this is by training or whether this is human nature, I can't quite tell, but we do have a tendency to want to look for similar patterns, and that's not tragic, but the, your son's difficulty when he's feeling like um, he's not doing well on a quiz or a test may be um, qualitatively different in terms of his concerns than what he's experiencing and what his concerns are when he's feeling like he's not going to win a game. Mm -hmm. They might be similar, but those two scenarios are different enough for me to think that it's best to treat them as two different unsolved problems. And here's the cool part. The patterns, if they're there, the similarities, if they're there, they'll make themselves apparent. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't want to look for patterns until I think we actually believe it or not and I think it's fantastic that you are going back to your son and gathering more information I, there's a few more things that I'd love to know more about and they are especially related to what is your son thinking it's one of the drilling strategies I sometimes talk about I know what he's feeling now when um he's losing a game, and I know that he might be feeling something similar when he's not doing as well as his expectations would have him doing on a test i'm especially wondering though, what is he thinking um, because and i don 't there's so many things he could be thinking, some of the kids who i've worked with before, and here I go hypothesizing, but I just want to. Um, throw out some potential things that he could say, not knowing whether he's going to say any of these things or not. But some kids who have difficulty losing a game just have no other possible outcome besides winning. It never occurs to them that there might be another possible outcome. And so some of them have told me it's not so much that they're losing because they can handle losing. It's just that they never considered the possibility, and therefore they were surprised. There are some kids who have such high expectations for themselves, or, as in the case of many black and white thinkers, are so perfectionistic, they have to win. They they can conceive of losing, but it cannot happen. So that's just a smattering of things I sometimes hear from kids who present with that particular unsolved problem, it sure would be nice to know what your son is thinking because the truth is what he's thinking when he's playing a game and what he's thinking about the possibility, if he's even thinking about it, of losing will have a great deal to do with what solutions we might be able to come up with Um, I don't know that we can do that much about what he's feeling. I think that he won't be feeling that way if we can help him with how he's thinking. If we can help him with his thinking, I don't think he's going to feel like he's 2,000 pounds because we've helped him solve the problem in a way that doesn't cause him to feel that way anymore.
1: Right. And I think um, we we got a temporary solution going, and I even told him as – as we outlined some potential solutions at the end of the plan B that we did. Um, and I told him, I said, you know, if after a few games we're noticing that this isn't helping, we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll talk more and we'll try some new solutions. So it's okay. What's the solution? We'll, we'll keep working. Well, I we wrote down some things that he could say to himself and even say out loud with the people around him prior to playing any game. Um, things like, um, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I may not win. I may lose. I don't know what's going to happen. Hello? Yep, Uh-oh. I'm here. Okay. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the phone just sounded like you're right there. So I, you know, this was just, and, and he felt out of, out of all the things that he and I kind of talked about for solutions, he said, mommy, I think I can do that. Help me remember. And so I wrote them down on a little card, and when he and his class went to the bowling alley, um, I I Uh had it written out uh, on the card, the fifth graders all went, and I went to the para that was going to go with him, and I said, let's give this a try and see. And he did beautifully, even though um, the kids in his lane set him up to go last, which is another huge trigger for him. If he doesn't go first, he already feels like he's lost. (laughs) <laughs> and so mm-hmm. you know he had several different things that day, and um, you know the word back from the field trip was that he was fantastic, he adapted beautifully, and they did you know they stood outside the bowling alley and reminded him of his of his statements, and he said things out loud and 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 even in the last week or so when he's about to play a video game or goodness even watch. A sporting event where he's rooting for one team and they might not win (laughs) it's looking like they're not going to win you know just having him say those things out loud so for right now that little verbal prompt seems to be helping
0: fabulous if if over time it doesn't mm -hmm. fully accomplish the mission you'll want to go back and find out why of course and that might involve uh, thoughts That he's having, right? Um, But I'm number one. I'm delighted that you're doing this with your son. Number two, I'm delighted that there's there's almost no way for him not to view you as an ally, as a teammate in this. That pays tremendous dividends over time, even if a solution doesn't stand the test of time. Right. Um, so I think what you're doing is fantastic, and I think that it is fantastic that you're calling into the program and telling us about it.
1: Thank you. Well, we had uh, a huge weekend uh, with him, where since um, since Friday we've had zero, and I mean zero explosions, zero. Wow. And I want to say it's one of the first times that we've gone multiple days in a row without any maladaptive anything.
0: That is fantastic.
1: Um, so there's obviously a little bit of grounding going on. We see him uh being a lot uh more comfortable with just saying what's on his mind. We had some friends stop by yesterday and uh it's friends that when they stop by usually it they say, "Oh, well, we're here just for a quick pop in and 2 hours later they leave." <laughs> and he he handled that really well because he had some expectations of what the evening was going to be and um, and he said something to me about being concerned about how much time was going to be available for him and, and handled it really, really well um, instead of doing what he might have done in the past. So I know that things are locking in for him, and I just wanted to thank you because I think that even just taking care of one teeny tiny little piece of something has given him a little bit better verbal skills.
0: Well, you've just m- made my day, so thank you. Thank you, sir. And call, call in any time. And here's the deal. Uh, I know you're calling in with a success story today. Um Hi. It's not all going to be a bowl of cherries. You've got a behaviorally challenging kid, and Plan B is working for you, and you got the right lenses on, and you're doing it, and your son's participating. Um, you got all the right ingredients in place, but um, perfection is not in your future because you've got a behaviorally challenging kid but boy you sure do seem to be moving in the direction of sounding like any old parent um at least you had an any old parent weekend that's great
1: right thank you
0: thank you for calling
1: okay good luck with the uh, street blockage
0: uh we still got firemen out there the, you know what <laughs> they're reminding me of the incredibly brave police officers, FBI agents, ATF agents, and firefighters who put themselves on the line um, in Boston and sign up to do that for us whenever we need them to. Um, These guys are really brave and in ways in which I'm not sure I would be. Um, Of course, you never know what you'll do when you're put on the spot in a situation like that, I hope that I would be capable of being as brave as the people who were the first responders to the bombing. Um gotta have tremendous admiration for those folks.
1: Well vulnerability and courage are uh shotgun partners according to Renee Brown. So I I um I I have been reminding myself of that. To be brave means to be vulnerable. So I appreciate it too. And thank you so much
0: Thanks for calling today. Um, Let's turn our attention to another email. You know, it's good to hear things going well. It's good to, we don't relish in things going poorly, but that mom's doing it. So's her husband. So's her son. There is so much collateral to be gained even if Plan B is not going that well yet, just by having the child come to view you as an ally rather than as an adversary, as a teammate rather than as the enemy, than as an adversary, uh, that's you know what this reminds me to give a plug for the third annual summit on Non-Adversarial, Non-Punitive Interventions that's going to be here in Portland, Maine in November 2013, this coming fall. I hope as many of you as possible can make it. It's sponsored by Lives in the Balance annually because we've got to get this movement moving even faster so that even more people know that There's other lenses they could be wearing and there's other tools they could have in their toolbox besides being punitive and adversarial. Here's another email. Uh, Dr. Green, the problem we have as I talk to my son in Plan B is that he is getting in his sister's space when he is uninvited and will not leave her alone until either parent pulls him away. His reasoning changes. I wanted water. I wanted cuddles. She is so cute. Sounds like his sister is a very little sister. But never really comes close to what seems the real reason. For the sake of practice, I have uh, excerpted these well, accept it. I'm not sure what word that is. These crazy reasons. And we have agreed that he will ask for what he wants and avoid these situations with his sister. Or will return to discuss the problem. He has even said a few times it is not really a problem. Help, please. Well, he's got me a little confused. Um, sounds like he is getting in his sister's space when he is uninvited. <sighs> Who's inviting him? His sister? I wonder if that unsolved problem could be a little bit more specific. I wonder if the reason he's giving you various answers when you ask him what's up on that unsolved problem is because... uh, Uninvited could refer to a wide range of situations. Let's say I'm right. Could be wrong. Let's say I'm right. Um, Maybe what he's telling us isn't so crazy. Maybe that's really what's going on. Maybe his reasoning... His concern, you're saying reasoning, I would say concerns, maybe his concerns aren't changing. Maybe the unsolved problem was quite broad, and therefore you got a whole bunch of information about different unsolved problems. Now, I'm not there when it's happening. I um, don't want to... uh, Think of anything a kid says when he's telling us what his concerns are as crazy because that, and you may not have meant it this way, but that is going to come off as dismissive. Um, And we don't want to come off as dismissive. We're going to take what your son tells us his concerns are at face value and we're going to drill for information and find out if what he's telling us initially is what's really going on. But the first place I'd start is I think I might want to make that unsolved problem more specific. These specific situations in which your son is getting in his sister's space, that would make me feel a lot better about the disparate information you're getting from your son when you ask for information about that unsolved problem. If the unsolved problem is quite broad and the kid starts talking after you say what's up, then what you're going to get in return is broad information. That's what I'm thinking. But if I'm wrong about what I think is going on here, and of course I'm not one, as you know, I'm not big on hypothesizing or educated guessing. Sometimes I have no choice just based on the limited information I have about a particular child, but two points here let's make the unsolved problem more specific and if and we don't want to give the child any indication whatsoever that we are being dismissive of his concerns. they're legit. The way you find out if what's going on what's what your child is telling you initially is what's really going on is by drilling for information good let's do another uh if you want to get in a last second question we only got 8 minutes left 3479942981 i think we probably have time for one more question and i thought this was an interesting one this one is extremely long i don't think uh hold on I don't know if we can do that one. I do preview these before we get rocking on this program. Sorry for the little pause here. I'm ah this one. This this might be a seven or eight minuter. Uh, Doctor Green, as you mentioned on your last program, and this was two weeks ago, I am learning vicariously from your callers' experiences. Now that you just made my day, I'm in a good mood now everybody's making my day. Um, first of all, I got a mom calling in to let us know how Plan B's going with her son. And as you now know, if it went well, I'm happy. But if it didn't go well, I'm still kind of happy because at least she's doing Plan B with her son because there's all kinds of indirect benefit from doing that even if the Plan B didn't go swimmingly. But now I got you telling me that you're learning just by having other people call in and get their questions answered or or email in, just like you're doing right now, and get their questions answered. I'm ecstatic. Hope it lasts. I am somewhat envious of the last caller of your show on April 8th. Good chance I won't remember, but let's see. While my intent-slash-goal is to solve problems collaboratively with my 8- and 10-year-old daughters, I cannot seem to get past the stage of writing the problems on the whiteboard. Could you or other successful parents give me some baby steps so I can take this to the next level? Thank you so much. Now, I know we have parents listening to this program, so I'm going to invite them to respond to your Question is well. Now here's let me um, baby steps. I can think of two. Um, here's baby step number one. I'm not sure what you mean by putting them on the whiteboard. Are those your high priority unsolved problems, or are those your um, are those all the unsolved problems? I don't know if all the unsolved problems are going to fit on a whiteboard, so I'm hoping it's your prioritized unsolved problems. If you feel like you've got all of them on there, then either you have children who have very few unsolved problems or you're clumping the unsolved problems when you should be splitting them, and if you split them, they're not going to fit on the whiteboard, I think. So one baby step might not be a baby step, Make sure you've got only your high-priority unsolved problems on the whiteboard. If you feel like you've got some pretty specific, split-not-clumped, theory-free, behavior-free, beginning with the word difficulty, unsolved problems, and you're ready to rock and roll, your next baby step is to do the empathy step of Plan B with one of your children on one of the unsolved problems that you've prioritized with the Plan B cheat sheet in front of you as your guide. See how it goes. Call into the program or email and let me know how it went, and we'll take you from the baby steps to the next... Step forward. Um, In other words, if your unsolved problems are ready to go and you've got them prioritized and they're well worded, it's time to jump into the Plan B river. Keep track of what happened, call in, write in. That's my suggestion for a baby step. Sounds like you got the right lenses on. Just can't quite tell if your unsolved problems are in good shape. If they're not, don't jump into the river yet. One of the things that came up on one of the recent programs, I can't remember which one, is that if you don't have your unsolved problems squared away before you start, you're going to end up having to revise it in the middle of the stream. Better to have your unsolved problems squared away before you start trying to get from one end, one side of the river to the other, unsolved to solved. It's harder to change things up midstream if your unsolved problems are in good shape. Put your feet in the water and give it a whirl. You won't be envious of the people who call into this program for long. You're going to be doing it. we got to get you doing it. There's my baby step for you. Um, and I'm not seeing that our listeners are giving me any other baby steps, but if you've got a baby step uh, and you want to, Email it in. I'll read it on the next program. Uh, Yep, we got another one next week. And then the parents panel after that. In the meantime, we're going to call it a day here on parenting your challenging child. Thank you so much for listening in. Hope you're finding this program to be useful. You've got me in a good mood from the feedback that I've gotten today. Always love the feedback. Good to know how the program's helping you, and always great to know if you have any suggestions for anything we could do differently on this program. You know what I'm doing on the educators program? Um, I'm playing recordings from any town elementary of them using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems, and them, this will be coming up soon, using Plan B. So if you're a parent, that's a good way to listening on the Elsap and then soon listening on plan B but i think i'm going to have some parents record their plan Bs and we'll play them on this program what do you think i think it's time to call it a day we'll uh be back next week with another program until then take care
1: Bye.